Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for listening to the hashtag Create Your Earth Life podcast with myself, Janessa Staples, your host. And I have a guest today. His name is David Munford. He's from Cleveland, Tennessee, and he shares a vulnerable story about pornography addiction, cheating, talks about his marriage, and he also talks about depression and anxiety. And he discusses how he got through dark times, through connecting with his family again, through prayer, through church, and his story um, is really touching, and I hope you enjoy. All right, we are recording. So can you introduce yourself, please? I'm David Mumford. I'm from Cleveland, Tennessee. I am a service advisor at the uh, Toyota of Cleveland dealership here in Cleveland, Tennessee. I deal with the the customers that come that after they buy their car, I'm the first person they deal with once they come into the service department. So I'm kind of like the first face they see in service department. Okay, awesome. And we met on LinkedIn and we wanted to discuss today, you said that you've been in a dark place and we kind of just touched on it before the podcast um, talking together and you would like to share with listeners where you were, how you got there, um, how you got out of there, the dark place. So start wherever you would like to start. Okay, I'll, I'll start a little bit at the beginning. Uh, prior to my dark place, I grew up in a very strong Christian home. Uh, went to church all the time, and I kind of like to joke with people and saying I had a drug problem because I was drugged to church. Uh, I was drugged to church every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night for anything at church. I, I was drugged to church, but I but growing up, I, I I honestly enjoyed going to church, so it wasn't a really having to be drugged to it. Um, after high school, I had the opportunity to move to Atlanta, Georgia, and be involved with an intense discipleship program there and at that time I was a I had the opportunity to move to Brussels Belgium Paris France and uh, Uruguay during those two years in 2001 I felt like God had me move back home and I was very and that kind of started that kind of started maybe the seed of of darkness, if I think back on it, of having to come back home because I knew I was away from Tennessee and I did not want to come back home. But I came back to Cleveland, uh, lived, went back, went back home to my parents' house and um, lived that way, lived under their roof for a few more years. And then a few years later, I moved out on my own and had a couple apartments and then in 2005, I was living, I uh, had an apartment with another roommate, and he was having to move um, out because of some health reasons. So the girl I was dating at the time, I uh, ended up moving in with her. And at that point, um, my parents found out I was living with a female. They were very unhappy about that. So I pushed them away. I pushed my whole, my family away. I pushed um, church away. I stopped going to church for five years where I had been going to church all the time and um, kind of went into a very deep depression, very deep um, living on the other side of the uh, railroad tracks or other side of the fence, 
got involved with pornography, got involved with um, with smoking, uh, drinking, party scene, every everything that I kind of considered worldly, I was involved in. And then lived that way for five years. And then May of 2010, I was asked to move out um, because the girls living with uh, shared that she was very unhappy with living together. She had never lived alone in her whole life. So she wanted me to move out. So at age 30, I had to move back in with my parents, parents, which was a very humbling experience. But my parents were very loving. They allowed me to move back in with them. And I lived with them for six years until I got married in 2016. And in those six years I was living with them, that um, was a rebirthing of the relationship with my parents. And I realized that whole time that my parents really did love me, that they had been wanting to help me my whole life. And I was able to finally... um, learn everything I thought I knew about the Bible. I finally had a relationship with a true relationship with Christ and everything I thought I knew before my dark period came to light that, oh my gosh, I didn't know anything. And I have been on a, the past 10 years of my life, I've come back to realize if I use my voice, if I just talk to people, Everybody is wanting to help me, and they're wanting, they're just wanting you to talk to them. And I do not have to stay inside my head, and I do not have to try to walk this life by myself. That I do have people that want to help me out and want to guide me in the right way, and I have come to accept that. And every new day is a new learning experience for me. So you said before when we talked that you did not get into drugs. So when you say smoking, do you mean um, smoking cigarettes or do you mean smoking weed? Uh, I, I, I was um, I smoked cigarettes a lot. I tried weed one time at at a buddy's house, but it just it just didn't really even affect me. It didn't really even I was like, oh, whatever. Uh, I, that was one night of, hey. Not really peer pressure. I just tried it. I can say I can say I've done it, but I, I that wasn't for me. Drugs. I never got into any any type of drugs. Cocaine, marijuana, nothing. I never did any drugs. That just I never I was never really around people that did that. So I never I never had that peer pressure or that um, tendency to do it. Okay. And then when you said you got into pornography, do you mean just watching it or are you like a part of it? Um, I watching it. Anything, any, anything that you could consider, um, watching, uh, I was heavily into purchasing playboys. I was having heavily into, uh, some chat rooms. I was involved in a couple chat rooms. Um, just any, any, anything that that you could think of pornography I was involved with and but I can say uh, I am let's see since I came since I've come to realize I dealt with that I have I am 
right at seven years, seven to eight years clean of looking at pornography and not having not having to fill that gap in my life of having to look towards pornography anymore or having to think, hey, I need to watch pornography. I can even watching TV now, uh, if I see something that could that could trigger something from my past, I can turn my head and be like, whoa, OK, don't want to watch that. Let's let's turn the channel or I'll just cover my eyes and not even not even think about it. Yay. Well, that's awesome. Seven years. Do you feel you were addicted to pornography? I was highly addicted. I I can say I was highly addicted because even Mm -hmm. though uh, the girl I lived with, we did not we were not intimate and she would kind of she'd be like, oh, just go, just go look at that. Go, go deal with that. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to deal with that. So that's what kept me for those five years. That was, and then up, up until, um, up until seven years ago, when I come to, when I came to realize I had, I had, I had a, an addiction to pornography. I finally let that go and I don't struggle with it anymore. And I've been able to talk to a lot of people about their about their struggles with pornography, and I understand where where it's very easy to get involved with, and how addicting it can be, and how yeah. much it can and how much it can um, ruin your life. Absolutely. Um, were you two? Is it okay? I ask. Were you two not intimate because um, you were a Christian, or was there something else? We just we just weren't intimate. I I don't I've I've tried to think about that. It just we just weren't. It was almost like roommates. It was almost just we were together. We Hmm. we just we were just we were just together. There's not there. I don't think there was any. I don't know if there was a certain reason. We just we just weren't intimate. And you're married now? I am married now. Yes. Uh, actually, when I came, when I came back, came back to the, the, to the right way of living, I actually got involved, went to, uh, when I got back to church, my parents and my sister, my fam- my, my parents had always lived here in Cleveland. My sister had just moved, was in, was in the process of moving back to Cleveland or had already moved back. And my dad asked me to come to uh, the church he was at and come to a uh, Christ Center recovery group with him on, uh, on a Wednesday night. And I went just because my dad asked me to and I was living in his house. So I was like, well, I better respect him. Uh, I guess I need to respect him. And I, I went, me and my mom went. And um, that's actually where I met my wife was at church. And about a week before we, um, before we started, uh, there's probably a couple weeks before we started dating. I, just I had given up dating because I, I was still dating some some girls and been involved in, in some relationships off and on. And when I uh, when I got done with no, no relationship, really, I was doing relationships my way. And when I finally said, OK, God, I'm done with relationships. I'm done with doing relationships how I feel like I've been doing them. Whoever I date next, you will have to bring the girl to me. 
And when I uh, when I did that, literally the next week, um, I had went to a a men's retreat with my church, and I was coming back, and I had planned to move to Roanoke, Virginia, to work to uh, be in, work in, a, in another ministry with some friends, and the and my my wife at the my wife at the time we were talking. I was like, yeah, I'm getting ready to. I'm getting ready to move to Virginia. She's like, oh, I hope you don't, I hope you don't move. I really want to get to know you more. So we, uh, so I was like, so I went home, prayed about it and didn't feel right to move. And then we started dating and we have been, uh, while we were dating, I was still, um, I still wasn't totally working on every, uh, I was still new to working on my relationship, on my addiction, my pornography addiction, my emotional issues. I was still new to working on that and coming out of being addicted. And I, um, I, I did end up cheating on my wife, um, while we were dating. And that really, that was really, uh, I really hurt my wife, uh, her at the time but we always we stuck together and she always knew that even before we were she said that when she was praying about who she was supposed to date next my face and my name would come to her mind so we've been through while we were dating uh we went through some very rough times and we've been married for four years as of this year and but we and we've been together for eight years uh, all together, and if I try to think back on it, I don't. I can't think back eight years without her in my life, because she has been my my rock, my rock sol- solid person to help me. She she's one of the reasons that I've come out of part. I was able to be free from pornography and free from everything else I, I've lived with for five years. She has shown me so much love and so much grace and has shown me just everything that I would ever want in a in a partner or someone to walk through anything with. She has been there beside me and she has she has loved me through some very tough times. And she and when before we when we were engaged, we always said divorce is never in our relationship. Divorce will not be in our marriage because both of our both sets of our parents have been married for about a total of 70 plus years. And we can look back on their relationships and we can tar- turn to both sets of parents if we're having issues and talk to them. And they help us through mar- um, marital issues and how to handle it the right way. That's really nice. You guys have guidance from both your families. Yes. It's really kind. Um, So you were able to get through the cheating. How did that work? Because I know a lot of people, usually if they're cheated on, like it's very hard to forgive. Do you know how like she worked through that and how you worked through that? She she never cheated on me. I was Mm -hmm. one that cheated on her. Um, I... I stay close to God. I stay. Cl- I, I. I turn. I there. I. I turn to God through it all. And we were. And I stayed in. I stay involved with Celebrate Recovery. And I. I talk to people. And 
um, when we were, when I told my mom we were dating, the very first time I told my mom we were dating, my mom looked at me and said, I told, I told her we were dating and I'd kept that from her for about a week. And my mom, you can't keep anything from my mom because my mom knows everything. <laughs> and when I told her we were dating, she was like, now I'll let you know right now, if something ever happens between you two, if you, if you get divorced or you guys break up through anything through this, she's never, she's not going to be, she's never not going to be a part of this family. So you can either get over it, accept it that, um, you can, you need to accept that she's going to be part of your life. And that made me think, okay, if she's going to be a part of my life and she's still going to love me through the stuff I put through, put her through that I need to get my act together. I need to be the person I need to be. And I, and there was a little bit of a time where we weren't, we, we didn't break up, but we weren't together for about a, for a couple days. We didn't talk and I just prayed to God. I just got on my knees and said, okay, God, you got to help me. And when she came back, it made me think, okay, I can talk to her. I need to realize this person is going to be in my life and this person is going to help me. And I need to, I need to rely on her. And I need to turn to her when I feel, when I feel like something's, when I'm about to mess up or I feel like something's getting really shaky, I need to turn to her because she's, she's my life partner and she's Mm -hmm. my best friend. When no one, sorry, what were you gonna say? When no one else is there, she's she's gonna be there for me. Everybody else may may leave me, but she's always gonna be right there beside me. That's nice. So, um, I just want to go back a little bit and talk about. So, when you came home to your parents after being away for five years, or how long were you away from home? Oh, let's see. I was prop like. Altogether, I had probably lived on my own for, I'd say about eight years altogether, by having my own apartment, by having my own apartment, and living with a couple other roommates. Probably, probably eight years altogether. Okay, and your parents knew that you were not living a very religious life or spiritual life. You weren't going to church. You weren't. Um, they didn't know or did know. They did know. They they knew. They they knew. Oh they, yes, they were, because you. Yeah. They they just they were like, well, if you feel like that's what you want to do, go do it. Go on. Yeah. We'll see but how, they were we'll saying they're concerned, right? Yeah, they were concerned. Yeah, I I saw them. I saw them like at Christmas time. I saw them maybe maybe Christmas, maybe one other time of the year, but for the majority of it, say most of the, most of those five years, I had no contact with them. I wouldn't even talk to him because I'm like, if you can't accept her, then you, you can't accept me. You won't accept me. So I'll just, I just pushed them away. So when you went home to your parents, did they welcome you with open arms or how was that? More than open arms because the night I, um, because the night after the party, I actually called them and I can't remember what time of night it was, but I, but I called them and uh, and said, "Hey, I need to move back home tomorrow. Can I come back home?" And without it, without a well, without them even thinking about it, they both said, "Sure." 
come on, come back home. You you know there's like you you know you always have a home here. Come back home. So I move. I, they very openly, and I kind of I kind of take it as the prodigal son story. They they totally open their arms to me and let me come back home without even any questions. Not That's even. Amazing. Not even, well, we don't know. We'd have to talk about this. They're like, no, come on. Well, my dad was like, I'll even come help you tomorrow. Get your stuff out of the house. <laughs> I'll come help you move home. So. So what were like the steps or the things that you did to help you through the dark time? Um, obviously going home and it probably was a big change. But mm-hmm. what did you do once you got home? Uh, for the first, for about the, before I got back into church, about the first year and a year, year and a half, I, um, I was still talking to a, to a mentor. Even when I was even, even in the dark, in the dark places, there was always one mentor, uh, that I talked to. I could always reach out to because I, he didn't, I know he wasn't going to judge me and I could always just. I could always just talk to him. Uh, I, I was still I was still talking to him and still having coffee with him and still walking through life with him. But uh, when I first moved home, I got in. Um, I I went to the to our local Greenway here and just started walking and praying and thinking, okay, what am I going to do now? What where's my life taking me? And then that's when my dad, um, I, at one point, my parents finally, I was I was starting to get into depression and dealing with depression. And the first time my dad saw, I think when my parents first saw that, my dad was still involved with sober recovery. My dad looked at me and said, okay, you've got to come out of this right now. You've got to snap out of your depression. So you can't live in depression because my dad was a chaplain at a hospital and he's he has seen people in in depression he's like okay you need to step snap out of it right now you need to come to celebrate recovery with me you need to get back into church and that was the that was the light bulb moment of okay this is when i got into celebrate recovery and back into church that was the that was the moment i was like okay i cannot live that way anymore I cannot, I can, I have to pull myself up, dust myself off and get back up and go again. Cause yeah, I was down. Yeah, I was beat down, but I can't, I don't want to live that way anymore. Cause I saw everybody else being happy. I saw my, saw my family being happy and, um, there I'd had some family members, uh, go through some depression. I was like, I don't want to do that. I, I can be better than this. I can, I can have a happier life for myself. I can live a happier life. I don't have to be depressed. And when I when I finally did that, that's where everything just it's like God finally said, "Now you're ready. Now you're now you're ready for what I have for you. You've learned your lesson and now you're ready to you're ready to be to have it all." Are you saying celibate recovery or celebrate recovery? Celebrate. Celebrate okay. recovery. Sorry. <laughs> Next time. Yeah. Celebrate recovery. Okay. 
And when you say mentor, do you mean mm-hmm. someone from the church or do you mean a friend or what does that mean? He he was he was an old youth pastor I had and pretty much I'd known him when we started when I finally when we finally started talking, he had always he had always been a part of my life in one way or another. Since I was born in 1979, uh, on Christmas, I was born in on December 25th, 1979, and he had literally been in my life, and still is a part of my life, but he had always been a part of my life through everything, and it was just that, just a connection where I could always talk to him. I, I could just be like, if I couldn't talk to my dad, if I didn't feel like I could talk to my dad, for some reason I could talk to him, and he would... He, even while I was in the dark, in the dark place or starting to come out of it, he was one person that got me, that was kind of a very, if I was to think back on it, he was one of the key people to get me to think about what I was doing was wrong and to come out of that because I knew I should have, I knew I should have left the relationship. I knew I should have left that. But I didn't want to, and when I when he when we started talking, he he always told me you need to come out of that, you need to get out of that relationship. And when I finally did, he he was one of the key factors, one of the key people to get me out of it, to make me really think about what I was doing was wrong, and realize that what I was doing was wrong. Do you feel like your intuition was telling you to leave the relationship and you were just kind of ignoring it or very much so because yeah. even, even before I, even before I was talking to him, I, I knew in my gut, I knew down <laughs> on the bottom of my feet, I knew I should leave because when things were going south, I should have, I should have left, but I didn't want to leave. I was probably 26, I was probably 27, 28. And I'm like, I don't want, I know. I'm not going to, I don't want to leave this. I don't, I, I'm, I'm a man. I don't, I don't need to, I can live this way. But yeah, I, I knew way before that I was supposed to leave. But I just didn't want to do it. I do, was you listen, <laughs> do you listen to your intuition now? Very much. Every day. Every day. Because there's, um. That is one thing that has kept me. That has kept me from going back to that to that dark place because I know if I did not, I know if I was to go back, if something was to happen between me, me and my wife, or something was to happen in my life to call to cause a situation like that before, I would be such. I would be so much in a darker place. I don't know if I could come back. Or I would want to come back because I'm like, yes, happened before. I'm done. I'm just, I'm done with, with everything else. I don't care. I don't care. I was never, no time during that whole period. I never got into the suicidal thought or I just want to die or anything like that. But, and I don't, I know I wouldn't do that now, but I would be such in a darker place now that it would, who knows what would happen to me. Who knows where I could go? Who knows what I would do? And I'm, I just keep, that's what keeps me, that's what keep. that's one of the main things that keeps me 
on the on this side of not going back and that's how that's what I tell people when I when I talk to them I'm like yeah you may be in a dark place and yeah you may be having some some anxiety issues or panic attacks but don't stay that way don't reach out to somebody talk talk to call me call me any time of the any time of the day and I've had some people actually call me or text me at, late at night and say, hey, I need to talk, or hey, I'm having a bad day. How can you please talk to me? Or even if I'm at work, I'll have people text me, and be like, I know you're at work, but can you please pray for me? Or can you please help me? Can you please talk to me? And that's how I, that's how I, relate, that's how I can relate to people. That's how I'm getting, getting my story out here and talking to people and be like, listen, you don't have to stay stuck. There's somebody willing to talk to you. Everybody can relate to everybody in some way. You may not be the same. You may not have the same story. You may not have dealt with the same things, but you can. You can. You can have a good life, and you can talk to somebody. Somebody is willing to talk to you. Yep, I agree with that. So, is there anything else you'd like to touch on, or I have one last question for you? I don't think so. I've shared so much that I've kind of the last couple of times I've I've kind of done this. I've kind of shared. I'm bringing out more stuff that I've not shared before, and it kind of it kind of feels good. <laughs> kind of feels good to finally be able to get this off my chest. Good, you know, good. And and talk to people and share yeah. more stories. And hopefully it'll help other people too. Sharing your story. Yeah. 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 So my last question is, what is the first step or one thing you would suggest to someone that is dealing with addiction um, to pornography or any kind of addiction or going through depression? What is the first step or one suggestion that you have that they you think would be helpful? Find somebody to talk to. Um I mean, find find somebody. You, there's always somebody right in front of your face that you may not you may not realize that you could talk to, but find somebody to talk to and do not do not stay do not stay in that in that state of depression or do not stay in in that addiction because that that the addiction is only going to bring you down further. And it's going to take you, once you finally do come out of it or finally realize, hey, I need to come out of this, it's going to take you longer to come out of it than just, hey, I'm having a problem. It's going to take a lot longer to come out of it, a lot longer to realize that, hey, I need help. So the first the first sign of you you feel like you could be addicted getting addicted to something or going through depression reach out to somebody and talk to them okay well thank you so much david for being on the podcast thank you you're welcome and i will be in touch okay okay i'll talk to you later okay bye Thank you so much for listening to the hashtag create your earth life podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you would like to connect or would like to be on the podcast, please feel free to contact me. I have an Instagram. My handle is at evolving period writer period Janessa, J-E-N-A-S-A. Also, 
please check out my YouTube channel. It has videos about parenthood and about the surrogacy. I am a surrogate mother, so I do updated videos and answer questions and whatnot. And I hope you have a wonderful day. Until next time.